I'm not sure anyone would dare to argue that technology has not completely transformed certain aspects of sex and relationships these days. Our guest on today's show is Ari Tuckman, with whom we'll explore this theme more in depth, from FaceTime and social media to virtual reality and artificial intelligence. Ari is the author of three books, has given more than 300 presentations across the world, and routinely earns excellent reviews for his ability to make complicated information understandable and entertaining. Learn more on our website and social media at bbxx.world. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone on the spectrum, we are here today with Ari Tuckman to talk about fidelity, infidelity, the changing landscape of sex technology, and how that really might change the way we see and experience both of those things and relationships in general. And well, can you tell us more about it? So I guess I'd like to just start with the definition of infidelity, infidelity, how people see it, um, how they might see it differently, if there really is any one definition or if it's all kind of just this really subjective concept. Right. So this is a really interesting and nuanced topic. Like there is so many different kind of levels to it. So, you know, so fidelity basically means that you're staying within the understood and expected bounds of the relationship in terms of, so that, you know, obviously mostly it gets applied to kind of sexual matters in terms of what is allowed sexually or romantically. But, you know, there's also other matters like, I don't know, financially, you know, like, are you spending more money and your partner doesn't know about it? For example, that might be seen as kind of a financial infidelity. But, you know, when it comes to sexual and romantic infidelity, assuming that a couple is monogamous and, you know, some people aren't, but even non-monogamous, consensually non-monogamous people, they, they have bounds of fidelity as well in terms of what is and is not acceptable. But assuming, you know, we're talking about a standard monogamous relationship, probably everybody can agree Having intercourse with somebody else, nope, not acceptable. Okay, but what if we sort of dial back a little bit? What about stuff like, I don't know, you know, giving a hug to someone when you're leaving a party and instead of giving, you know, quick peck on the cheek, what if lo and behold, the quick peck winds up on the lips? Oops, was that an accident? Wait a second, who kissed who? They kissed you, does that matter? Or does you kiss them, does that matter? Um, how long did it last? What happened afterwards? How did you respond? Did you tell me about it? Or did, you know, or did Bob have to tell me about it afterwards, right? So, so this is where it gets much more nuanced about what is and isn't acceptable. But you know, I think like a, another kind of good example of this, which might be a little bit less kind of overtly sexual, is kind of the idea of, who you're friends with on Facebook. And specifically, let's talk about friending exes on Facebook. Like, is that okay? Like, do we do that or do we not do that? How do you feel about it? How do I feel about it? Does it matter what ex it is? What if you're like 35 and it's an ex from high school and you haven't talked to them in 15 years, like, and you dated them for like a month in ninth grade? Do we care? I don't know. What if it's someone that you lived with for 10 years and you know, let's be honest, they broke up with you and you still have feelings 
Because seriously, like, we can all tell. Is that okay? What about, like, I don't know, you found out that, you know, an ex's parent is in the hospital and you had a pretty good relationship with that parent. And, you know, like, is, is it okay under those circumstances? Or what if you're talking to your ex about problems that you and I are having? Or you're talking about our sex life. Is that okay? I don't know, right? So, like, this is the stuff that every individual and together every couple has to figure out. Where are our lines? And the problem is we all as individuals have certain kind of preconceived notions about what counts as fidelity. And we come into this relationship with all these ideas in our head and not enough of them spoken out in the, in the air between us. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to find yourself in a situation where it's sort of like, um, wait, that's not okay. I didn't, I, I, I've always talked to my ex. I'm friends with all my exes. How's that a problem? Really? We, we can't do that now. And, you know, so and often what happens is couples don't have these conversations until there's a problem. And by a problem, what I mean is somebody feels like somebody crossed the line and somebody else feels like they didn't. And now we're in an argument and somebody's hurt and somebody's defensive and it's just not a good scene to and be I, in. I think what's interesting is the part about disclosure in that it's one thing if you're talking to somebody else, but you told me, oh, the I, you know, I was at the ASEC conference. I met this really great person. We've been chatting about a project we're working on together. And I know that I have that, the context for the person. I know their name. Mm-hmm. I know how you met versus if I just, you know, somebody stumbles across those emails or those texts, especially not having the story behind it. it it's harder to understand, but it's also like, well, the, why didn't you tell me? If it's nothing, why didn't you tell me about it? So I think the disclosure and going back, as I had mentioned to you previously, um, somebody once told me that infidelity has to do with like hiding a version of yourself or disclosing information to somebody else, but not to your partner. So, you know, whether you're going to your friends and talking about the problems in your relationship, but, but I'm not telling my, my partner about those problems or I'm talking to the attractive person in the coffee shop every day that I purposefully go back because I wonder if they're still there and they know about what problems are going on in my relationship, but my partner doesn't know. Right. So a bit about that. And then, yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, a lot of this has to do, I think, with intent. Like, what is your intent? And, you know, this is where it gets really kind of squishy and subjective. No, I think you were, you keep going to the coffee shop because that really hot barista is always there. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, I just really love their coffee. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's, you know. She makes really great coffee. Right. Such good, you know, way better than the other nine coffee shops I walk past to get to that one. Yeah. And it's just weirdly coincidental that every time I go, it happens to be her shift. Yeah. I don't know. Like w- the universe must, you know, just smile upon great coffee. What can I say, honey? Right. So what's your intent? And of course, what can happen is that it starts out with one intent. You know, we've been working, talking a lot about this project. We work together and, you know, we're texting because like, God, these freaking, this customer is making me crazy. Like, oh, they're changing again. And I got a text, sorry, I got to text Jen and let her know that, you know, we got to change it. And now all of a sudden we're not just talking about this goddamn customer that's making us crazy. We're also talking about like other things. And we're talking about stuff that's definitely not about work. Is that cheating? 
I don't know, maybe, you know, what's, what's your intent? Where do you want it to go? But it's, but it's also one of those things that it's possible to have two realities where it's like, look, let's say I'm the person talking to my coworker too much. I might have no intent of actually doing anything, but you as my girlfriend might look at it and say, you know what? I don't know. Maybe you don't, but I got to say like, this makes me really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, like I know I saw Jen at the company picnic. She's really hot. And and also let's just make it worse. She's also kind of your type. And let's also make it worse. I feel less attractive than she is. So let's add in, you know, your insecurities into it. And now we have a hell of a conversation and not necessarily a productive one, definitely not an easy one, but hopefully it's one of those things where both of us can kind of hang in and like, well, okay, so let's talk about it. Like not just you feel uncomfortable. Why do you feel uncomfortable? And let me try to understand and empathize. And let me explain to you why it's important that I still have this relationship with Jen and, and it isn't a threat to us. And, you know, or other stuff like, you know, all the other things that people do, not necessarily with nefarious intent, but, you know, but we both have to decide like what is okay and what's not okay within the bounds of our relationship. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And I think going back to what you said about understanding, it's has to do with what your understanding is with what your partner's understanding is. And are those different? Are they the same? They're probably not. Have they been explicitly stated out loud? Have they been compromised? Has there come, have you come to an agreement where there's a middle point or did you compromise with your partner's definition or both on yours? So I think that really, that is such an interesting way that it kind of can transform one thing where for maybe a certain couple in general, one thing has nothing to do with infidelity, isn't even on the radar. And in the other one can like completely destroy the relationship. So I'm wondering if you would have any advice for people listening in terms of how, you know, you can bring that up or create preventative measures in the relationship to kind of bring up the topic or at least Mm -hmm. make sure you're on the same page or at least reading the same book. Right. I think it's just, it's to have the conversation preferably beforehand. What do we do if this happens? How do you feel about that? Now, obviously there's a million scenarios, so you can't cover them all, but you know, to the extent that it seems like something that might be relevant. So like if, you just got together with someone, you might, I don't know, like, hey, what do you think about porn? Do you ever look at porn? Like, are we okay with porn? Like, how do I feel about, do I look at porn? How do I feel about it? Um, or how do we feel about talking about exes? How do we feel mm-hmm. about having friends of the opposite sex who presuming we're heterosexual or, you know, otherwise, whatever, like potentially romantically or sexually interesting friends? Is that okay? To just sort of have the conversation. Now, you know, if it's a thing where something I'm doing makes you uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. it's not, that doesn't automatically mean I must stop doing that thing. Right. On the other hand, I don't, I also don't have the right to say basically like suck it up and deal with it. Ain't nothing here. Right. I mean, I suppose we both have the right to do that. And then probably the other person has the right and perhaps the good judgment to say, this is not the relationship I want. (laughs) Bye-bye. Right. So, you know, so, 
it becomes a matter of having some really honest discussions and not just this makes me uncomfortable, but why does it make me uncomfortable? Right. And, and where does it come from? Because right. all your past experiences and the circumstances around the current situation, but also your previous. Yeah. yeah. And to have, you know, like a really good conversation and to not, <clears throat> you know, the danger here is kind of false agreements that either you get so emotional that I basically cave and say like, okay, I'll never look at porn again. Mm-hmm. But I know, or 20 minutes later, I know I'm like, that. that's never, like, no way. Like, mm-hmm. I will never keep that. Um, you know, so by being too emotional or too demanding, you force me to cave and to agree to something I shouldn't have. Or you're being quite reasonable, but I'm sort of conflict avoidant, or I just don't want to give this up and I'm worried I'm going to have to if this really, if this conversation goes where it needs to. So, you know, we make an agreement that you in all reasonableness assume to be a mutual agreement. And then I know at the time I'm not going to maintain this. So like, you know, I'm, I'm setting up cheating or I to sort of optimistically say like, oh yeah, no, I'll never look at porn again. It's kind of like, I'll never eat delicious chalk chip cookies again. Mm -hmm. I'm on a diet forever after I'm eating healthy, right? So to sort of, to not agree to something you know you can't maintain. But I think then that's a different kind of a problem because then there's a deception. It's not just that I'm looking at porn or I'm talking to my ex or whatever, but it's that I'm deceiving you about it because now I know before it was an innocent mistake because neither of us knew, Right. but now we know. And then to act against the known is, I think it's sort of, it makes one crime into two, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Very different than, you know, not having discussed it, maybe coming from different places, different experiences. And, and as you've mentioned before, I think it's really interesting also how the definition of infidelity uh, and your reactions to certain things change so much throughout the relationship. Right. Like when we first met versus dating for, I don't know, a couple of months versus a year versus decades. Totally an evolving process. And I, I think it's funny. I once heard actually a therapist tell me that in the first few months of a relationship, everybody resorts back to middle school. She said, you know, I'm 75 and I definitely did too. Like I just started Mm. dating somebody and I literally went back to being 13 in terms of neediness or just, it's the, it's building up security. And as you build up security and trust with that person, then you can like adjust and adapt to not higher stakes, but like different circumstances. Yeah. Well, the thing is in the beginning, you don't know. Like, you seem lovely. Let's say we've been dating for three weeks. Mm -hmm. You seem lovely. Right. Otherwise, it would have knocked on on the second date with you, right? So, you seem lovely, but I don't know. Maybe you're not. Like, I don't know what to expect here. Um, You know, so we all need to be, and of course, the problem is, in the beginning, we're all on our best behavior. So, there's lots of politeness, but not enough honesty. Right. You know, where it's like, do you mind if I smoke? Um, No, that's Okay. And then later it's like, oh my God, I will burn your eyes out with yes. a cigarette if you keep smoking. I feel like I'm that person. But I would actually say it immediately. But Good. I've always thought it's so interesting that we have to know somebody well enough to be able to, you know, say you don't want to, can't hang out or you're busy or you would rather do something else or just stop doing something or to kind of 
Yeah. It's so interesting. Well, and it's hard Stop because, towing. you know, in the beginning, when we first started dating, you know, like we might both have grand hopes, but we're not super invested. So like if all of a sudden we break up or one of us gets run over by a car or something, right? It's kind of like, oh, well, that sucks. But like, you know, like for a night, you're kind of broken up about it and then you move on. But once you've been dating a while or you've been dating a long time or you're living together or you're married, now all of a sudden it matters a lot more. I'm much more invested in you mm-hmm. and in this relationship and what you think really matters to me. Well, it's in also your opinion. what you create together that you now have that you don't have. In exactly. Opinion. Now you got something to lose. Right. So, so it creates this dilemma then that's inherent in all relationships, which is the more important you become to me, the less I want to disappoint you and risk losing you. And yet, I don't want to lose myself either. Because right. if I sell out my sense of integrity and I let you continue to do something that makes me really uncomfortable. That could be, you seem to be awfully flirty with a neighbor, or I don't know about all this money you're spending, that makes me kind of uncomfortable, or I don't want to have sex tonight, but I can't say no to you, or a million other things that happen in a relationship. You know, so we're, we're caught in this dilemma of, I don't want to, you know, upset you, but I also don't want to sell myself out. And that's the sort of balance. And, you know, it's a matter of being able to sort of out of a sense of integrity to sort of respect our own needs and values and boundaries, but also to respect our partner's needs and values and boundaries, even if they're different. You know, so like this thing of like not talking to, I don't know, like a particular friend that I have that makes you uncomfortable. I might say, you know what? There's nothing here. I'm not like, I'm not going to do this. Like I, I'm going to keep this friendship. You need to find a way to deal with it. I mean, I'd say that in a nice way, because like, I think you're being kind of nuts here. This is just your insecurities. This is not about the relationship. You need to find a way to be okay with this. Or I might say, you know what? I think she's insane. There's nothing here, but fine. Like I will be a good boyfriend and I will distance myself from that other friend, Mm -hmm. at least for now. And maybe when we're more settled, it'll be different. Mm -hmm. Or I might actually look at it and say, well, crap, she's right. You know what? That friend is kind of flirty with me more than with anybody else. And if I really want to be honest, and this is a real crap, like, damn it, I'm kind of flirty with her too. Like Mm -hmm. if I was really honest, like, yeah, I kind of got a bit of a thing for her. So like, okay, that that's kind of trouble coming and I wasn't seeing it. So Mm -hmm. good for you that you spoke up and told me and didn't just sort of swallow it, you know? So like, so that's the balance. Like you don't want to be insane, paranoid, insecure, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, you know, where everything, you know, why did the person at Starbucks give you extra cream in your coffee? Are you having an affair with her? But you also don't want to be kind of blind and people can be that too, you know, where it's like clearly there's stuff going on and the person isn't willing to see it because if they see it, they got to do something with it. So, oh, it all gets, it all gets brought into this question of, you know, what's fidelity? In terms of, you know, we're talking about kind of present day and infidelity versus fidelity, but how, how much has this landscape changed? I mean, in some ways I feel like we've come a long way, but in some ways it's, it's still a gray zone. And the problem is that as we're evolving and We've come so long, so has technology, yeah. so has the yeah. entire scope of the issue. 
it's, a, it's a different issue than it was even just, you know, five, 10, let alone 20, 50 right. years ago. And that's the thing. Technology has, on the one hand, made everything much more gray and nuanced and has also created opportunities that didn't exist before. So like the gray part of it. So like, you know, back when I was, well, when I was a kid, when I was a young adult, you know, it's like Playboy magazines. So like you had a Playboy or a Penthouse or a Hustler or you didn't, you know, like super easy, right? And I, I guess it was like this Sports Illustrated, you know, swimsuit edition. And there was like Victoria's Secret catalog. So there was some gray in there. Yeah, it literally was like clothing catalogs. Right. Paper. Right. And like those, you know, like even Hustler magazine looks like the Sears Roebuck, you know, circa 1900, like lingerie section compared to what we have now available. So, you know, stuff like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a social media guy, but like, you know, all the little chickies on Instagram, like, oh no, honey, I'm just on Instagram because, uh, you know, Dunkin' Donuts posts coupons on there or my friends put cat videos. Oh, look at that. I'm following a bunch of 19 year olds who show up mostly naked. Well, whoops. How did that happen? Right. So like it gets, you know, so we have many more opportunities. So like, well, but back to the Instagram thing, like it's not overtly porn. So it's not like Pornhub, but it, you know, like probably you wouldn't want grandma scrolling through your feed either. So like, so what is it? Right. You know, like, is it okay? Is it not okay? Are there some people that you can follow and they're okay, but others that you can't? What if it's, you know, so what if it's someone that you actually know in your life? who posts up kind of provocative things versus some random person that you don't even know where they live. So some celebrity or just some rando on social, like, you know, like, does that matter? The fact that you actually know them and talk to them, is that relevant? You know, for some people it is. Um, But, you know, there's also the whole issue of, um, you know, this sort of joke that like, I don't know, like, Back in the day before Facebook, this is how you checked up on exes. You call a friend and you say, hey, yeah, have you talked to Jill? Like, do you know anything about Jill? Like, what's, what's she up to? Oh, she, she's dating? She's single? What's going on? Oh, okay, cool. Hey, by the way, um, if you see my wife, Heather, don't tell her I was asking about Jill, right? That's how you found out now Bam, Facebook, Google, whatever. Like you can know way more about Jill or whoever in an instant than you could by asking your idiot friends who probably weren't paying attention anyway, right? So like, so, so much more is possible. And the pornography that's available is so much more intense than looking at, you know, some dog-eared Playboy magazine. So, you know, like it crosses it potentially for some people crosses lines much more there might be some people where looking at you know printed porn is okay but looking at videos isn't or what about like webcamming where you're like interacting with somebody in real life like there is somebody actually right at this moment doing that stuff that you're watching is that different than watching something that got recorded even this morning but pre-recorded and upload it somewhere? Like, is that different? I don't know, maybe, or, or maybe it isn't, you know? So like, so again, like the grays, the nuances that didn't exist before technology and even like Skype and FaceTime, which is mostly, you know, like boring business meetings and like, I don't know, 
calling home, but like, what are people doing on there? You know, not just boring business meetings. So things are possible that were not possible before. As with every other technology, somehow we find a way to adapt it to use for sex, right? So like our cell phones, sure, like we call people and we look up on Google Maps and we also send people pictures of our junk, you know, like, so I don't think Steve Jobs was thinking this would be an awesome way to send naked pictures to people, but sure as hell, maybe he was, maybe he was, (laughs) but, and that would have been a good business idea if he was, but sure as hell, three people later, someone was like, oh, dude, you know what I could do with this? Right. So, so stuff that's being developed for other things. So like virtual reality headsets, let's say, which are being used for gaming, for just watching videos, for just like, holy crap, that's really cool. I can't believe that works, right? So um, is also then being used, shockingly, surprise, surprise, by people who make porn. So instead of like standard 2D porn and shows up on your screen and there it is, now with a virtual reality headset, you can watch 3D porn and, you know, ultra high definition and not just sort of 3D, but also, you know, 180 degree or 360 degree views, meaning that you put on the goggles and just like your phone has a motion sensor that knows what direction it's pointing. As you look around, as you move your head back and forth, your view of the room or the actions happening changes. So it becomes a situation where you are, you feel much more like you're in the scene. Now, It's one thing if it's shot as standard porn is, or as a lot of TV and movies are from like kind of like the fourth wall angle of like, here we are like some outside observer looking in on this scene. But what's also being done is what's called POV or point of view porn. Now there's also POV videos of like non-porn stuff out there as well. But, but basically it's shot from the perspective of mostly, of course, the male actor. So basically what happens is you put on the goggles, you press play on the video and you look down and you see basically, you know, like your chest and abs and everything below. All eight of your abs. All eight, much better abs (laughs) and possibly a bigger dick, but like right there. And there are people doing things to that penis in the scene. So, you know, and when you look down, you that see penis, that, that and you be can, your bigger penis. Right. And then you look up. So let's say it's a woman riding the male actor. You look down and you can see her on top and then you look up and you can see her boobs and you look up more and you see her eyes. So you are right there in the scene. Now, the guy isn't doing anything. So there's this really kind of, I think, hysterical, like, twist of fortune here that, you know, a lot of the sort of. Um, He's and, not moving, which is like the worst thing about porn that right. they have that people should not ever learn from it. Right. So it's this awesome twist of irony that as much as people have complained that porn objectifies women, this act, porn actor guy is totally an object. You don't even see his face. And the thing about it is he can't move because it screws up like the camera. You would get motion sick. Right. So he is basically like three quarters of a sex doll, like not even an entire, like, cause you don't even need anything above his nipples. Right. Cause that doesn't, so like you just cut that part off and throw it away and you just keep the lower three quarters. So it's like, 
So the male actor has been completely depersonalized, which is just this amazingly funny to me, like reversal of fortune of what's happening. I wonder happening if they get here. paid less. <laughs> I wonder they might. So, so that's interesting. So it creates a situation where, I mean, if you think about it, looking at porn in a print magazine, right? Looking at pictures online that mm-hmm. you can scroll through a million of looking at videos, 2d videos online, immersive 3d videos that will, you know, what you see changes based on how you move your head. And if you're looking up and down or left or right. So talk about being even more immersed in the scene compared to, you know, flipping through pages in a magazine, like, Granted, this is still a solo experience. You know, there's one person there. But does it feel like it's more than a solo experience? Like, does that reach a point where you, let's say, as the girlfriend or wife or husband or boyfriend, whatever, how do you feel about your Mm -hmm. partner using this stuff? Yeah. Um, But yeah, is there some way in which this technology could be used for a relationship yeah. in some way, or it's more just, I mean, it absolutely can. And, you know, so this is more this sort of augmented reality as mm-hmm. it's called, where, you know, you would put sensors on of various kinds. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I'm looking at the video, I can see you show up in the video, mm-hmm. you know, or and I show up in the video. The technology is getting incredibly cheap. It's showing up in homes for other non-sexual uses. So that the hardware is there and it's just like, you know, when you got a DVD player or a VHS or a Betamax or something to watch family movies, lo and behold, you can also play porn on that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I did, honey, I didn't know you could also get porn on DVDs. Right. I only got the DVD player so the kids could watch Disney movies, right? So, you know, which of course then becomes a thing of like, well, did you buy it so the kids could watch Disney movies? Or was there a little bit of an unspoken hope? And or do I know about your DVDs? Do I not know about your, you know, so like it all, like it all, I don't know, it all comes back around, Yeah, you know? And then besides the virtual reality, the, some of the products that right. are out there, whether or not they incorporate with the virtual reality, but then they they also have this other field of right crazy high tech right so you know on the so you've got like if you start with the simplest of the high tech so to speak when it comes to sex toys so you've got more and more sex toys are now sort of app controlled you know like so much else in our life so instead of like fiddling with little buttons on the sex toy while you're using it you can control settings on the on an app, which is actually really a much more intuitive interface because, you know, it's kind of like, especially if there's like nine vibration patterns and you're like, one, two, three, right. four, wait, was it four, yeah, five? And then God, like God damn it, I it passed it. It's hard to reach. Right. And, you know, so you can do it on your phone, which is great, unless, you know, it's a, my joke here is that, like, you know, if in the middle of a of a session you get, you know, a friend video chatting, yeah, you, you got to put it on airplane mode. Yeah, because otherwise you may wind up with a friend with some unexpectedly extra benefits. Right. Um, so, you know, but you know, most of the time this is used by the person using it or their partner in the same room. So you're three feet away or right there, but whatever. But the thing about it is, you can be halfway around the world. 
Like you can use that app if your app is synchronized with their device, which is a relatively easy thing. You can control somebody else's sex toy from a, a million miles away. I mean, I I don't remember my wife and I ever having that conversation. Hey, honey, um, are we allowed to give other people orgasms a thousand miles away? Right? right. Somehow that didn't come up when we got married. Right, because it didn't exist. It didn't exist. So and they probably don't even, she probably doesn't even know about it yet. Right. So, you know, so it's this thing of like, you know, ostensibly this is for long distance relationships. And if that's the case, my feeling is, dude, go for it. Have a great time. But at the same time, let's be honest, how big is the long distance relationship market? Like, is that really enough to sustain right. these kind of technological, yeah. you know, um, investments? Right. I'd love to think it's for that, but then. Right. So. It's not. But, um, you know, so there's that, but the thing about it is there's, it's not just sort of amateur to amateur where, you know, you find someone who, you know, you want to control your sex or vice versa, but it's also, you know, like professional webcam performers will allow, you know, viewers to not just view, but, you know, like give them control of their sex toy they're using in this live webcam show. Is that cheating? I don't know. Honey, I never touched her. Mm. And and you didn't. And yet, I don't know. Some people might right. feel like that's crossing a line, right? So, but then there's... Right, you were participating in her physical sexual experience. Yep. You are not an uninvolved observer at that point. So, so it gets, again, like nuance upon nuance. Um to make it even more complicated here. So the next level, now, so that these are kind of one directional. You have the app, you control the toy, done. But there's also bi-directional. So there's toys made, I mean, the main company that does it is this, um, they're based in Amsterdam, they're called Kiru, K-I-I-R-O-O. I don't know, maybe it means something in Dutch, but... Um, they have sex toys that are interactive with each other. So they have a male version and a female version, or more accurately, they have the female version is basically kind of like, just looks like some generic vibrator. Um, and then the male version kind of looks like a fleshlight in the sense that it's this kind of rather large device and the guy slips it over his penis and then it has stuff inside it that, create certain sensations and suppose it's supposed to mimic what penetration feels like, what intercourse feels like. So whatever gets done in, let's say in this case, if someone is using the vibrator, the female version with a hand, with a mouth in their vagina, in their anus, whatever, whatever is done there, sensors pick that up and will transmit those sensations to the guy's device. So if you touch the tip of the vibrator, the guy will wow. feel it on the tip of his penis. If you slide halfway down, he feels it halfway. If you go all the way down, he feels it all the way. You go slow, it's slow. You go fast, it's fast. Yeah. Whatever is happening in one is happening to the other. So on the one hand, long distance relationships. Again, not sure what that market is. But also you can find random people and have some fun together, amateur to amateur. But you can also synchronize these devices. So, you know, a web camera can have one device 
that then sends to a hundred or a thousand devices that viewers are watch are using. So what that person is doing with their device is being instantaneously transmitted to the other people. Is this an unobserved, uninvolved observer at this point? A lot less so, right? right. Now you're not in the same room, but you are sharing that sexual experience in a much more physical way. You're not just seeing and hearing, you are literally feeling in live time, in you know, live action, what is happening on the other end of the world. Right. So I think I'd just like to close with the importance of, as we talked in the beginning, you know, understanding whether it's yours, whether it's mutual, mutual, whether it's discussed and from their respect, respecting, you know, if there are differences, choosing if you want to respect your definition more versus the other person's and just the importance of trust because Trusting that, you know, that person will respect your understanding, trusting that that person won't purposefully, you know, go beyond it or hurt you and just trusting that they have both of your best judgment in mind. Something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's about it's about communication. It's about talking about it. It's about making the implicit much more explicit, whether it's relatively small things. And then it's, you know, technology brings us more and more stuff, whether it's overtly sexual, like these high-tech sex toys, or not necessarily intended to be sexual, but quickly becomes that way. So um, it's having honest discussions about it. And it's a matter of being honest, not only with the other person, but sometimes it begins with being honest with ourselves. You know, do I know that my partner won't be okay with this? Am I talking myself? out of it you know am i am i talking myself out of not doing it so i'm talking i'm allowing myself to find a way to be okay with doing it or conversely or am i talking myself out of seeing signs that i can really see like i can definitely see there's stuff here that makes me uncomfortable so it's just in the broader sense it's just part of building a relationship it's about building trust it's about asserting yourself when you need to it's about managing your emotions and responding well when something upsets you right. so you can actually have a real conversation and not be written off as a crazy person, but also coming across as a crazy person is a great dodge for the other person to not actually address the thing that you're feeling crazy about. So, so it's about having some really honest and sometimes difficult conversations. So this new sex, you know, this new text that continues to develop isn't new in that sense. It's the same conversations people were having 50 years ago and 100 years ago. It's just a little bit different in terms of the context of what they're talking about. Yeah, like the subject matter in a way is changing, but the conversation itself and the importance of it, definitely some parts of it have stayed the same. I think the only thing that's changing is that we have more to talk about. Technology is giving us things to talk about that we didn't have to talk about before, but the themes, the way that we talk about it, it, it's still the same. Thanks so much, everybody. This is Ari Tuckman. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen to the BBXX podcast. You can learn more on our website or on our social media at bbxx.world. And if you believe in what we're doing, please do help spread the love by sharing this with someone you care about. Until next time. Bye.